Good day, Flyer fans. I said good day. Going to be doing something a little bit different on the podcast today. Um, since we're in like a bit of a filler week and I had to change things up because of the schedule change, you know, UD is supposed to play Richmond. Now they're playing George Mason. I couldn't get a guess from George Mason on short notice because there's other things going on, yada, yada, yada. Without giving you too much backstory, um, we had to do the show on short notice on Thursday morning. So we recorded everything on Thursday morning and then it's got to get to the radio station. So we kind of did this like simulcast type of thing today. So if you're listening on the podcast right now and you are, you have to be listening on the podcast if you're hearing this, all the commercial breaks when I say we're going to go to break, we're not actually going to have a break on the podcast. It just makes it easier so I can get it over to the station and they can plug and play real quick so that ESPN 1410 gets their show by six o'clock. All right. So just wanted to lay it out there. I'm going to say, hey, we're going to go to break, but I'm not actually going to go to break. The show is just going to continue into the podcast format that you're used to, but it's going to be a little bit shorter because we had to get it down to radio, which means it's got to be no more than 48 minutes. So that's that. Now that I had all that housekeeping out of the way, I wanted to let you know that today's podcast episode is brought to you by our pal George Thielen at Mobile Use Car Inspections. So you've heard me talk about him before. George is an ASE certified technician that specializes in pre-purchase inspections when you are buying a used vehicle, and he performs certified and IRS qualified automotive appraisals for all insurance and legal purposes. George let me know that he's been doing this since long before BG introduced us to the four-man weave, so he's been around a while since Oliver Purnell was coach in Dayton. If you're thinking about buying a used car, call George. He'll go to the car and check it out on site. If your car has been totaled or if it's been hit or if it has a bad Carfax report, all those things can be amended by calling George. If you have any automotive questions, call George. He's happy to uh, provide advice to any Flyer fans at any time. You can email him info at mobileinspections.com. Again, info at mobileinspections.com or simply call the number 937-671-0700. Six, eight. I thank George again for bringing you the episode of Talking Out Loud that starts right now. To Hall, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer, it's This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to the Talking Out Loud Hour, and uh, it's great to be with you. It's brought to you by Lee's Chicken. Today's episode, I obviously mentioned at the top of the podcast, but if you're listening on ESPN Radio today, uh, today's specific episode uh, is brought to you by our friend George at Mobile Car Inspections. Uh, If you're joining us on ESPN Radio, iHeartRadio, if it's on Facebook, StreamYard maybe, if you are on the old-fashioned podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us, it's absolutely great to have you. This is your host, Sully, buckled in for another hour of Dayton Flyers Talk. 
That's what we do here at Talking Out Loud. And I have my pal, confidant, and colleague, Drew, joining me on the other side to talk about the Flyers. Uh, Drew, I think we have a couple of things to talk about. Usually I come on the show and I say we have a lot to talk about. But with a, with a poopy game we just finished up and with another poopy game on the horizon, there are things to talk about. But I wouldn't go as far as to say a lot, right? Well, uh, if we do have a lot of things to talk about, it's going to be rehashing things we've already discussed in prior episodes and things <laughs> yeah. like that. Things right. that we just don't need to do. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so some things to discuss. I'm sure you'll get us kicked off here. Oh, I will. I will. Uh, I'll open things up for the evening. Um, the the Dayton Flyers coming off another, you know, pretty poor loss to Duquesne on Tuesday night. Um, and... To, to set the scene for everybody, um, you know, I, I was very conflicted on, on this game with Duquesne um, emotionally, Drew, and here's why. My brother's a, a Duquesne University alum. Uh, it happens to be the sister university of my high school in uh, Pittsburgh, PA. So I've always had a soft spot for Duquesne. But with that in mind, growing up as a Dayton Flyers fan with a father as a Dayton Flyer, um, anytime that Duquesne beat the Flyers growing up, I had to hear about it endlessly at my high school, endlessly, because when I was going to high school, Duquesne was in the midst of the Danny Knee years. If you remember those, do you happen to remember the Danny Knee years? Uh, Vaguely. They they were bad, my friend. Not a lot of people remember them because they came and went without much of a flash. Um, So to give listeners kind of like some background to the the Duquesne basketball program a little bit, um, and I'm not going to bore you here, people. Um, and I'm, I'm going to set the stage. I'm going to come full circle. But like I said, when I was in high school, Danny Nee was the coach um, of Duquesne. And his son even went to high school with me. And they were just deplorable. Okay, so Danny Nee was there for five years. He never won more than 12 games. Okay, in five years. His best record on campus was 12 and 17. He bottomed out my sophomore year of high school in 2006 at 3 and 24. Okay. And I remember like in those days, for one reason or another, you know, Dayton just had trouble playing, uh, playing Duquesne. And in that bottom out year of 2006, um, you know, thank God Dayton didn't lose to them. But there were other years that were just inherently pathetic where Dayton would lose them. I believe in 2007, uh, the Flyers went to the Palumbo Center and they lost to a Duquesne team that was coached by Ron Everhart that would finish 10 and 19. So you're, you're starting to get it, listener, okay? Like, losing to Duquesne back in those days was was kind of pathetic. And, um, and you know, UD was still in some rebuilding years, BG at those times. Like, they took losses like that in those days. You fast forward to what we saw on, on Tuesday night um, and, and kind of why I've had frustration over this entire season. The Flyers got handled from start to finish by Duquesne. And it marked the third time this year that they've lost to, frankly, a lesser program. Now, the circumstances were a bit unique on Tuesday night. Uh, Duquesne, if you hadn't heard, if you're listening to this program, you probably have heard. But uh, the A.J. Palumbo Center, where they used to play, was fully renovated, torn down to the studs. Um, They literally, like, tore down walls to the point where you could see all the way into the arena from the outside street. Uh, and they built what is an immaculate facility. It's called the Cooper Fieldhouse. It's in the exact same place that the Palumbo Center was. Again, uh, they just kind of tore it down to the studs. They didn't build a new structure. They just renovated the existing one. And what ended up happening is that uh, they opened up their building against Dayton because over the years, uh, Duquesne, 
Drew, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Duquesne treats Dayton kind of like the Browns treat the Steelers. Like, we don't think about Duquesne much as Dayton fans, but Duquesne fans really like beating Dayton a lot. And they look at them as rivals um, for geographical reasons and kind of like um, a big brother type of thing. But I don't think that Dayton fans give enough credence to the fact that Duquesne always really wants to beat Dayton. Their fans kind of do too, the fans that they do have. And so sure enough, the Duquesne Dukes did beat the Dayton Flyers. That marked the 12th time in 49 tries that Duquesne has bested Dayton since they joined the A-10 Conference in 1995. That is coupled with the first loss to LaSalle at home since 1999 and the first loss to Fordham since 2006. All of those have taken place in the 2021 season that is unfolding in front of us. Um, that's a mouthful to start the show, but you know what? I, I have to sit here today and just be a little bit concerned at where this program is. I'm a little bit concerned at how much momentum we lost off last year. We knew we were going to take a step back. Everybody did. But the amount of momentum that Dayton has now lost to kind of go back to being same old Dayton is frankly concerning to me. A lot of times when I'm concerned about stuff like this, I try to look at the positives and I keep reminding myself that Dayton has the best recruiting class in their history coming in next year. However, the last time that we had the best recruiting class in program history coming in was the Juwan Staten class of 2010, and that would end up being Brian Gregory's last year on campus. So it's kind of a sad omen, Drew, to start the show, but it's not all roses in Dayton right now. No, I don't it, care, you know, I, I, this, oh, sorry, I'm going to finish up, but I, I don't care like what kind of fan you need to be in February. You know, if you need to be the happy-go-lucky fan, the optimistic fan, whatever, but you need to come to terms with the fact that this team just isn't very good. And, and that's where I wanted to start today is saying I wanted to highlight how bad these three losses are in secession for a program like Dayton. So Feel however you want to feel about the Dayton Flyers right here on this day in February. They're just not that good. Yeah. Well, so let's, and that's the thing. You can be whatever kind of fan you want to be, and we we preach that a lot on this show. I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. Exactly. At the same time, you like there are people out there in the fan base who need to start being honest with about to themselves about this team, and just be honest about be honest with yourself. You'll feel a lot better after it. I have. I do. I know. I do. Yeah. I want to circle back to what you said about. Duquesne viewing us as a rival because I feel like I can start listing off other teams in the Atlantic 10 and they feel the exact same way Duquesne does about True. us. Like St. Bonaventure, like would you consider St. Bonaventure a rival? They no, 1, but they hate consider us one. Oh, they do because Dayton, <laughs> Dayton literally beats St. Bonaventure every single year, no matter what. I mean, they've only won what that one game at UD arena in 2017. I think it was yeah. <laughs> yeah, like so, and Bonaventure so again, fans hate like, us when you're the, when you are, I'm not talking from like a basketball standpoint this season. I'm talking about, you know, in a greater length of period. When you're the premier program in the Atlantic 10 as Dayton is, and I think they are, you're going to have that point of view from a lot of the, you know, lower level teams in the conference. Everybody wants to beat Dayton. We're, we're by far the most hated team in the league, and you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, well, maybe that's, that's partly of, arguing. Maybe, maybe outside of ECU, because they're they're kind of the outsider. But for the like the OG Atlantic 10 teams now, we are by far the most despised. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
but th- but that's again, that's kind of like the cross we bear, um, which is fine by me. But the yeah, fine by but, me. That you know, and again, a lot of that maybe is due to us. Which yeah, I'll you know I'll say again, you're welcome. Fine. You're welcome. Okay, if I if I need to have a radio show that uh, will get other fan bases riled up, like I'm all here for it, fan, uh, Flyer fans. Don't you worry about that. Sure, but sure. you know. There's only so many ways that I can come on the show the rest of the season and say that we stink. You know, if I cannot believe that I woke up Tuesday morning, day of the game, I checked my phone and Twitter was buzzing at 730 in the morning central here in Chicago with people giving me scenarios of how we're going to get into the NCAA tournament. And and I, I know, I know that I'm a little bit negative sometimes. I know that I try to be too realistic for people, but my God, if you didn't see the light, by Tuesday Again, morning, Dayton been, showed you the damn light on Tuesday night. They are not going to any NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I and again, like, take it from me, someone who you know always tries to see the positive side of everything and tries. You to put be things able, in the spin zone for me. I appreciate I you for that. Yeah, that's what I love to do. I love to spin things. But I've recognized our the at large hopes were shot when we lost to Ford. That's what you 100%. need to understand. That's 100%. going to like if you t- pile up all the resumes at the end of the year and you take all the bad losses from all the resumes in the country, Dayton's that loss to Fordham is probably going to be in the top five of the well, worst. No, no one's lost to Fordham. And you know how I know that without looking at stats? Cause Fordham's only won one damn game and it's yeah. against Dayton. Like exactly. <laughs> I don't think people oh. like, I don't think even people appreciated how bad that loss was. It is most likely. Okay. Most likely given the context and where this program is and the season that it happened, it is, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it is the most embarrassing loss this program has taken in the last 20 years. I yeah. really feel confident saying that. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I kind of agree. I agree with you there. And the thing about the tournament is, is that the only way Dayton's getting there is if we get hot in March and we win the Atlantic 10 tournament. Not saying it's impossible. It's not likely. Sure, I just don't not. see. Okay, so let's let's go down this road to start off the show. Um, and, and you know, I guess this is a decent question to to talk about because this is kind of what we have left this season. Is that again, whatever fan you need to be in February, you go ahead and be that fan. We got you know, we just finished up a poop game Tuesday. We got another poop game coming down the stretch here on Friday against George Mason, who I just I can't even figure Doesn't out. Like, sense. yeah, I I just I know the A10 needs their TV money. I know that they need to keep the ESPN two slot. Um, but there was a perfectly good UMass game they could have slid in from Saturday into Friday. I just I don't really see who benefits from this. We'll get to that in a second. But again, like th- this team showed you the light. Okay, they showed you on Tuesday night. This is who they are. So let let's start there, Drew. Because again, there's only so many ways we can say this team kind of stinks. What would be the formula for this team getting hot? and winning the A-10 tournament. Like, get the obvious out of the way. Jalen Crutcher is going to have to score 25 points per game yeah. in that tournament. He's going to have what, to be the what, what are the, What's the other, like, pieces of the puzzle here that would have to fit together for the Flyers to be cutting down nets? So you can't have Ibby Watson going MIA for 39 minutes. No, we've like talked about that a million times. That's 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 starter number one but beyond Jalen Crutcher. And if you don't get past that, you're done. You are yeah. done. So Ibby you know, giving you what he gives you on good nights. You need that consistently. You need Elijah Weaver not to put up a Tony Snell stat line where he doesn't (laughs) shoot a field goal, doesn't record an assist, doesn't get a rebound, has four turnovers and three fouls. I'm looking at the box score now and all that just kind of registered in my brain. That is amazing. Yeah. How bad, how bad of a game that is. 
in yeah. 15 minutes, mind you. Like it's not like he played for for he was on the court for 15 minutes and didn't record a single stat line. So you need something from him. Moose Amsel, you know what you're getting from Moose now at this point. He's yeah. going to shoot. He's going to get you some rebounds, and you need him to be the same, and you got to play defense. And like I said, I just listed off a whole bunch of things that have to go right for Dayton to win the Atlantic 10 tournament. That's why it's not very likely. It's a long list of stuff. It's a long yeah. list. Of, is it po- And again, is it possible? Yes, because we've seen it. We've seen the type of game they can play. Yeah. When they play, like they played against St. Louis, like they played against Rhode Island after the first six, eight minutes or so. Like that team is out there. We've seen it. You've seen it with your own two eyes. Yeah. That team exists. Now, will they exist over a three or probably four game stretch? Probably not. So, you know, this is all probably a moot point and everyone's going to tell me to start getting realistic, which I am. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, no, man, like we're going to be fine come A-10 tournament. We're going to win that thing. No. What on <laughs> earth, why on earth would I say that? Dayton has never won the Atlantic 10 tournament. But wouldn't that yep. be the funniest thing ever if this was the team that did it? Yeah, and this does remind me a little bit of my junior year, which would have been the 2011 season, um, where it it was kind of um, it was one of those years that was it was like this one, like it was over kind of before a 10 play started, like the by the end of January in 2011, the Flyers were 15 and seven and they were three and four in the conference and ironically had just taken a an 18 point shellacking to Duquesne um, at the Palumbo Center. I believe I was even at that game. I think I drove home from campus to go watch us get our asses beat. But um, same thing. So that season was like good and over by the time we got to February. And and us, you know, in the front row, we were just like, all right, let's trudge through it. You know, we'll, we'll go to games, still support the team. Um, the Xavier game was still coming up at the end of the year, which is kind of another aspect of UD basketball that we just don't have anymore. Um, of course, you know, we have VCU want to beat them real bad, but no matter how bad the season was, when you brought Xavier into the arena, like it was a big deal, you know, it, it was something that you could look forward to. And in that year, um, unfortunately we lost an early Sunday game to Xavier, uh, that season. But again, you know, kind of painting the, the picture for you, that season was over right around the same time that this one was. And sure enough, the flyers beat Xavier on a Friday in the a 10 tournament. They snuck past St. Joe's. And then I remember I woke up on Sunday morning, March 13th, this is 2011. And I walked into my friend's living room and he said, Hey, can you believe we're 40 minutes away from going to the NCAA tournament? And that's, you know, that's the hope like that. I know I understand. I get it. I know why fans in this fan base need to hold on to that as hope, because there is a chance that we could wake up on Sunday morning, a 10 tournament. There is that chance it's there. It's tangible. And if the 2011 team, um, with with Juwan Staten and Chris uh, Chris Wright and Josh Benson and Josh Parker, if that team can get to Sunday in the A10 tournament, absolutely this team can get to the A10 tournament. Jalen Crutcher is, you know, he is capable of doing that. And that's um, just the thing when yeah. you talk about like postseason basketball, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about NBA or college. I think postseason basketball really comes down to the talent level of players you have on the floor, and if you have the best player on the floor you have a chance. Yeah. You have a chance of winning the game. And I'll I'll take Jalen Crutcher against anyone in the Atlantic 10. And, and look at, you know what? I'll give you a good example of that, Drew. Look at the 2017 game that we lost in the A-10 tournament to Davidson. Correct. They were not a better team than us, but Jack Gibbs was a better player than anybody we had on the roster, and he cooked us. He cooked yep. us real exactly. good. That is exactly what I'm talking about. And if Jalen Crutcher has a run 
of games where like I'm I'm not talking about 25, I'm talking thir- like in the 30s and that it's possible. But again, highly unlikely, but the 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 possibility is there. Before we go to break, um and on the other side of the break, we I I need to need to further scathe you fans that are that are having fun out here or think you're having fun. So come back on the other side of the break to hear that. But before we do go to break, um Drew, do you happen to remember how many points Jack Gibbs had in that game I referenced in the A-10 tournament in 2017 in Pittsburgh? 30, this is just right off the top of the head, 31. He had 34. Oh, uh, yeah. He had 34, uh, 7 for 11 from 2, 5 for 11 from downtown. That is 12 for 22 from the field, and he got 5 from the charity stripe. Um, All right, other side of the break, we're going to get to the A-10 rundown. We're going to get to the George Mason game coming up. Uh, I even have some trivia brought to you by our friends at Sureholtz Printing. Come on back, other side of the break. If you're listening to the podcast, I'll shorten this commercial break up for you. Uh, You're listening to Talking Out Loud Hour right here on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud on ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing a little simulcast here today. Um, Wanted to see how this felt for listeners, and it's brought to you by Lee's Chicken. And again, today's specific episode is brought to you by our friend George at Mobile Used Car Inspections. All right. So I am going to get into trivia right away. Hit the music. All right. Trivia today, Drew, has to do with George Mason. Um, I'm not done talking about the things that we did, you know, we were chatting about before we got to the break, but I wanted to get on a trivia nonetheless. And we're going to sneak it into the the, the, uh, show a little bit uh, early today. All right. George Mason coming up here on Friday night. They are in their eighth season here in the A-10. They have played a total of 134 conference games. My question to you, Drew, is how many of the 134 conference games has George Mason won? 134. I'm going to say they've won. My hint to you is that it's under 500, obviously. Under 500. I kind of, yeah, I had a you, you, you could have guessed. Yeah. I'm going to say 52. Holy smokes, you hit it right on the nose. I think that is one of the one of the best trivia gets that you've ever had on I this think show. That might be that might be one A actually. That I, that was a poll right there. That I was know. that was a poll, my friend. The George Mason Patriots are fifty two and eighty two in their one hundred and thirty four games in the A ten. The all time series against UD stands at nine Flyers wins and three for the Patriots um, and they had a little home and home series before they jumped into the conference. So there's only a couple of games that out they're outside of the a 10, um, but tremendous pull there, Drew tremendous. Thank you. Pull. Thank you. So as we, uh, as we wade through the waters into February, first things first flyers were supposed to play Richmond uh, on Friday night. Again, that was an ESPN two game. If you're unfamiliar with how the broadcast, um, the broadcast stuff shakes out um, the a 10 gets, uh, a couple of slots every week on CBS Sports. They get a bunch of weekend spots on NBC Sports on uh, Sunday and Saturday. And then they get either one or two games Friday and Saturday night on ESPN2. So when the game, Richmond canceled uh, their game this week on Tuesday, I believe they were scheduled to play, what, St. Louis, right? Or that was last that was week. last and, Friday. Okay, so Richmond had a game canceled on Tuesday because they had a COVID pause. 
And of course, uh, when we hadn't heard anything by about Tuesday afternoon, you knew it was as good as done that the game on Friday was going to be canceled as well. And we got the word that it was. Now, the A-10 conference is um, they've kind of been trying to fill games where they can. They want to get all the teams to 18 games. I don't I personally do not understand why they're so committed to getting teams 18 games. But most importantly, we talk about this a lot. The A-10 needs the money from their TV deals. They need to have their programs in primetime slots, and it doesn't get any bigger for the A-10 conference, unfortunately, than Friday night on ESPN2. They almost always give ESPN2 their best game, uh, or at least they try to. And this was their best game this week. So um, instead of pulling the plug, putting another game in, the A-10 conference decided to send George Mason uh, to Dayton to play again. I can't really figure out why they're going to Dayton since George Mason's already played in Dayton. Um, but the other thing is this doesn't really do anything for either team. George Mason was going to be off this weekend. So it made sense from a scheduling standpoint, but Drew, we're, we're getting into the point of the season right now where I know do right by the athletes and blah, blah, blah. But my listeners out there, you got to give me a break with that crap. It's never been about the student athletes. It's never been about doing right by them. This whole COVID situation has opened every single fan's eyes to the end goal for everybody in college athletics, and that is making some money. Okay. And so under that breath, Look at just what happened in Big Ten football in the fall. And I know all my listeners know what happened. The Big Ten was like, okay, here's our rules for the season. Oh, wait, uh, too many teams are getting paused. All right, let's change those rules a little bit. Then you got in November and it was like, our uh, minimum games is six. Oh, wait, our only team that has a chance at the playoff, it, it can't play six games. Eh, let's change that rule too. And then look what happened. They got Ohio State into the, the college football playoff because they kept changing rules. This is a simple example to highlight kind of where the A-10 sits right now. And I, I know we had some rose-colored fans being like, well, if Dayton's playing, I'm pumped. And I'm like, I don't know why you would be pumped to see this game. As a, as a fan that I'm the type of person where I, I want to watch sports when they have meaning. This game has no meaning. Dayton's not going to an at-large. George Mason's not going to an at-large. If the game was not played at all, it really wouldn't affect anybody's seating in the A-10 tournament. I know that the conference needs this television spot, but again, Drew, like we're getting to the point right now where the A-10 has got to be way smarter about the way that they're scheduling games because getting UMass in a primetime game right now when they still could hypothetically play their way into uh, an at-large bid, that is a better game for the A-10 than this crap that they're giving us. So I, I guess I'm calling for the conference to be more strategic, um, to shut down programs that really have no more... Um, what they, they really don't have a reason to keep playing. Like, am Fordham. I so off base? That's what I'm saying. Like, why is Fordham playing another game the whole rest of the season? Their, their, their schedule's meaningless. Like, everything down the stretch means nothing to Fordham. So, like, what am I missing here about why the A10 is not working harder to schedule better games? Well, here's what I don't understand is I understand, like, you want that Friday night primetime slot. So why not just take UMass and Rhode Island, who are on ESPN2 on Saturday, plug them in on Friday, and then exactly what I said. fill the Saturday slot with a game? That's what I don't understand is, like, UMass is top three in the league. They're top four in the league. And Rhode Island is hovering right around 500, like middle of the road. 
that game is inherently more interesting than Dayton and George Mason. Well, take it one step further. I mean, you you know as good as anybody, those Friday night games on ESPN2 have a tendency to attract like the college basketball world. Like right. the guys that talk about it, the writers, and everybody in this program now knows the inherent value in that after last year. When you have a lot of people talking about your team, a lot of people forming a narrative about your team, those kind of things matter on Selection Sunday, like like it or not. And if you get UMass in a Friday night game that matters against Rhode Island and you get people saying, hey, wait a second, you know, UMass at the top of the standings. Hey, wait a second. UMass playing some good ball against Rhode Island. Hey, wait a second. Their resume doesn't look so bad. Then all of a sudden you have another team getting a conversation in the A-10 for an at-large bid. I just... You know, I know that let's do right by the schools and the A-10 is always extremely diplomatic, but the hell with being diplomatic this year. Get the best games as many times as you can and give your teams a chance to play in the NCAA tournament because right now the A-10 is in a really bad spot. St. Louis just took another bad loss to LaSalle last night. They were yeah. the conference front runner. And and now look at them. I mean, they started A-10 play 0-2 and they really only have like eight games left on the schedule to write the ship. So all of a sudden, your conference front runner that you're hanging your hat on to say this is the pride of our conference, they kind of stink. And and it's it's leaving the A10 in a really precarious position. Yep. And you know, just looking at it now, like if if this were me, if I were running the Atlantic Ten today, I'm calling George Washington. I'm calling Fordham. I'm calling St. Joe's, and I'm like, and I'm probably calling Mason as well you guys are done. Like you guys are done. You, you, you don't have the amount of games. You, you haven't won any of them. Like just shut it down for the year. Take your top eight teams to the conference tournament, have the top eight, play it out and get your bids and make sure you have quality matchups across the board. That's what I would do if I were the A-10 commissioner. I very clearly am not. So I'm not <laughs> those decisions. And I understand yeah. money and TV contracts and, and all that stuff. That's way over my head. I, I get it. But, and again, just the A-10 is just, it's just not very good this year. Like, to it's be not painfully honest. It's just not very good. And so, yeah, like you need to get your marquee games like when you can. And I just Dayton and George Mason just like, isn't it? Like outside of a gambling standpoint, like the Friday night A-10 game is a gambling staple in like across the country for college Absolutely. basketball circles. Like yeah. that Friday night A-10 game is always pretty heavily bet on from all the gambling personalities out on the internet. Yeah, because the A-10 nailed it. I mean, for all the things we just talked about they got wrong, that's one thing they got right. They got the Friday night spot all to themselves. And, like, if you remember, um, we always go back to this game, but, uh, like, two years ago when the Flyers were trying to get an at-large bid and uh, Rhode Island came to the arena on Friday night on the ESPN2 game, and, and it went to overtime, and it was a hell of a game. And the entire college basketball world was watching the game. Like, that is what you try to accomplish as the conference office and um this year it just feels like they're kind of stuck in their ways or they're not willing to be flexible enough to to kind of think outside the box and, and that's i guess that's, that's our the, job to do and but. that's the thing like the, your, your schedule is so fluid with what's going on so just make it fluid yeah make flexing possible and benefit like, you that's what yeah like put a plan and this is it all goes back to a plan and how well you execute the plan we talked about that in from a team sense now we're talking at it from a conference standpoint is get a plan and be flexible. Like have, have the ability, have the outs 
to move your games around into positions where you want them to be. And, and, you know, the pushback that I got on this, because I said that I I really am not excited for this game on Friday and it, it doesn't make me a bad fan. Um, it, It just makes me a realistic fan and I'm not less of a fan because I'm less excited about this game. You know, I'll end up watching it, but Again, it's it just I keep going back to for what if this game didn't exist on the schedule, no one would be better or worse for it. And it has no impact on the conference whatsoever. To your point, um, you know, I just wish that the A-10 would be a little bit more flexible to, to keep making the schedule fluid. And, and frankly, all we're talking about is the A-10 making decisions that benefit themselves like right now. Right. As you look at the conference, St. Louis is not dead yet, okay, to get an at-large. Davidson technically also is not dead yet. Then you have Bonaventure is leading the pack, and VCU not dead yet either. All the teams that I just mentioned are between 46 and Davidson at 64. Rhode Island's right outside of that at 67, okay? All of those teams like could potentially play themselves in with the exception of Rhode Island, they're nine and ten. They're they're not they're not gonna Mm-mm. they're not gonna go. Um, but all of those other teams have the potential of playing themselves in if they had the games on the schedule to do so. And I I'm sorry, it is basketball negligence by the A10 to not give those teams an opportunity to play themselves in. Because I'll tell you right now, so I'm looking down the schedule at VCU right now. Okay. VCU has to play Duquesne and George Mason, and then they have two games against Davidson. They have St. Louis, Richmond, and Dayton. Okay, every game on that schedule is good except for Duquesne and George Mason. So how much better would their schedule be if you said, hey, George Mason, you guys are done. Um, We're actually going to plug in another game with Richmond there, or uh, we're going to plug in another game with, um, let's say, I don't know, Davidson, play him three times, St. Louis twice, whatever, yeah, whatever why, it may why be. Why hold yourself to two games when it's a you're, you want to get to a game number? Well, you know, play a team a third time. And, they, and they're already showing that they don't care how many teams or how many times a team goes to a venue. They're sending George Mason to Dayton for the second time for quite literally no reason other than to fill a TV spot. So I, I know it's going to it's not going to happen. I, I just I guess I'm trying to give listeners just another way to think about it that I just wish the conference would be a little bit um, more flexible to to just put their own teams in a better situation uh, to get to the tournament. Because right now, frankly, it's looking like a two bid league. And then hopefully someone can steal that third bid whenever we get to the tournament. Um, And of course, the other thing I'll wrap this up with, Drew, is I think you mentioned it. I would rather just see an eight team, a 10 tournament go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You, You cut down on travel. You cut down the amount of games. Uh, I really just see no purpose as to why we need to have the same 14-team format. They got the Wednesday pillow fights. They're still going to play. I I mean, no one from the Wednesday pillow fights has ever made it to Saturday. So this is where you just have to ask yourself, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You know, I'm doing the the Taylor Twelman. What are we doing? That's an all-time clip. I was watching that. I just happened to be watching SportsCenter Live that night. Oh, me too. Honest to God, I I was on the floor like rolling around laughing. What was, are uh, we it's, doing? It's, it's one of the funniest like live sports <laughs> center things I think I've ever seen. Oh God, it's a good place to go to the break. Uh, if you haven't seen it, 
uh, Google Taylor Twelman and U.S. men's national team. It was moments after the U.S. missed the World Cup by losing just like one of the worst games of all time. Do you, do you remember who they lost to? It was Trinidad and Tobago. I was trying not to bring it up. I, I have really just horrible memories from that night. Um, but go Google it. It's Scott Van Pelt and it's Taylor Twelman, and he's a former U.S. men's national team player. And he just absolutely goes off on the state of the program. It was kind of akin to like the night after we lost to LaSalle um, and me on this radio show. But anyways, other side of the break, Drew's going to give you the A-10 rundown. And we're going to let you know where the season goes from here. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Talking out loud hour on ESPN Radio 1410 in Dayton and wherever you listen to podcasts. Come on back after the break. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud right here on ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today is brought to you by George at Mobile Use Car Inspections, but the Talking Out Loud show in general and when we're at live at Tim's is always sponsored by our friends over at Least Chicken. So I wanted to give time to shout out to both of them. Um, Drew, I realized that when we were doing our trivia earlier in the night, I did not give our credence to my friends at Sureholtz Printing, but, uh, Sureholtz Printing is the guys that are bringing you the A-10 rundown. I want you to give the listeners a little bit, uh, what they need to know about the A-10 conference, just the need to know. A-10 rundown. As we said earlier in the show, say Bonaventure still standing atop the conference at seven and one. 9-1 overall, 5-0 and at home. They've won seven in a row. Bonnies look good, they look, and they're all juniors. They're yep, all coming the back The Bonnies do year. look good. The Bonnies look good. Um, then you have VCU and Davidson, both at 6-2. and two. Both teams pretty hot. Davidson has won four in a row, granted, against lesser competition. But since that Dayton loss, they've won. They beat St. Joe's by 14. They beat LaSalle by 24. Beat Fordham by 15. And then they beat UMass on the road by 9. So that's a pretty good win there for them, that last win against UMass. The aforementioned UMass is there at five and two with Richmond. And then you get into the very, very muddled middle of Dayton, Duquesne, Rhode Island, LaSalle. Uh, LaSalle playing better. They have an identity now. LaSalle uh, surprising some people, Drew. We could talk about that, you know? Yeah, LaSalle surprises people. I watched LaSalle the other night, and they have a very, very distinct personality when they play basketball. And I think when you're one of these lower, lesser teams where you don't quite have the talent, you need something that you can hang your hat on. Like, do you rebound well? Do you run the break? Like, do you do you defend like junkyard dogs like the whole court? Do you chuck threes like it's your day job? LaSalle yeah. definitely does that. LaSalle chucks like no one I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, and like I said, have a distinct personality. I think it's something this Dayton team like kind of lacks. I think the personality of this team is watching Jalen Crutcher and how fun that is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They can't really have a, a like an identity when you need your point guard to score 25 points a night. Right. So, and then, you know, and then you get into the teams that whose programs I think should be shut down, and that's <laughs> G-Dub, Fordham, St. Joe's. I forgot to mention St. Louis since they're way far down the uh, down the standings. They're 0-2. The yeah, they're technically in last. According part. to record, but, you know, they're still in, you know, they're still very much in the mix if they can get, you know, their season back on track. Um, so I'll pose this question to you, Sully. Let's let's assume St. Bonaventure is in as an at-large. So that's your one bid. Of these teams that I'm going to list off, which team are you most confident will make the tournament? VCU, Davidson, UMass, Richmond, St. Louis. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with Richmond. Um, I'm going to kind of I'm going to keep standing for Richmond here. Um, so St. Louis is 53, Ken Palm. Richmond's 54. Um, and, and 
you know, Richmond doesn't have anything like necessarily impressive on their resume, but they only have five games left on the schedule. And I'm assuming the A-10 will probably throw them a couple more. Uh, if you're not aware, the A-10 kind of built in like a week between when they end the season and when the conference tournament starts. So there could potentially be a couple of games added uh, down the stretch here. But Richmond has VCU coming up on the 17th of February after they come back from pause, you know, God willing. And then they have LaSalle, Fordham, St. Louis, UMass. Those are all very winnable games. And I think their season is pretty much going to come down to St. Louis. But again, we're kind of running into the same problem we just mentioned before the break is that like because the A-10 is unwilling to move the schedule around, Richmond is in the position right now where 15 and four might not get it done because they're not going to have enough opportunities to pick up a quad one or quality quad two win. So that's going to hurt the conference as much as anything else right now. Um, and I'm concerned. I'm just concerned that that the A-10 isn't being flexible enough and seeing the light at the end of this tunnel because Selection Sunday is going to be a mess. I mean, you have teams that are playing 25 games. Some teams are going to be playing 15 games. I mean, Bonaventure right now is on pace to play 15 games total. And thank thank God they only played two non-conference and their only losses to Rhode Island because now they've rattled off seven in a row and they're a God-honest at-large team. Um, so I don't know. I, that's what I'm going to go with. I think you got Bonaventure and Richmond. I, I really just have concerns about SLU because you're starting to see you can't take a month off in the season and then just come back and expect everything to be okay. You just can't. Um, it's it's killing them right now. And you can see, you know, they – they they were a juggernaut heading into December, and um and now I mean they're just the month kinda, long pause killed them. They yeah, just kind of anything. Yeah, it killed them. They're I think nothing. if they if they don't have that month long pause and St. Louis gets to roll right into the Atlantic Ten schedule, I I think they're still class of the league. But that's not what happened. You know that you take a month off and you're you're playing behind the eight ball. Um, I'm gonna go outside of you. This is gonna hurt my soul to do, but I think they're the the best bang for the buck it's vcu yeah they're 13 and four they're six and two like they're six and two in the league they've taken care of business almost every night when they've needed to um they have two games with richmond coming up i think if they can get a split there they're they're living if they sweep them there then they're really looking good so i think it's going to come down to those i think these are the two teams we're, we're talking about come that time and I think those two games, if they get played, if either team sweeps, they're in the they're on the right track. Yeah, but again, like just what you brought up, VCU has the best chance to get to the tournament right now because they have big games coming up. Like they right. st- they still have to play Davidson twice. They still got to play Dayton. They still got to play St. Louis. They still got to play Richmond. Like th- that's what exactly what we're talking about is the A ten should be padding these schedules the best they can for the top four to try desperately to get somebody to put some meat on their resume. Um, so we belabored the point enough. People get it. Um, so Drew, the, the question that we wanted to, to wrap up the show with tonight is kind of where we go from here. And we said, you know, we're not going to tell you what kind of fan to be, but you have to be realistic at some point. The at-large hopes are dead and buried, and they have been for a few weeks. But the rest of the crowd now is with us. If you're you know, uh, eternal optimist, you're on our side now. You know where we're coming from, all right? We're not being negative Nancys. We're just telling you how it is. Dayton's not going anywhere this year, okay? Like, the best chance is winning three in a row in the A-10 tournament, maybe four in a row. That's it. That's where the season comes down to. We've been in this position before many years. Uh, we've been in, in this position. 
but it's where do we go from here? Because frankly, um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I shut the game off against Duquesne when they were down 20 and, oh, they made a comeback, Sully. I mean, give me a friggin' break. Like yeah. they were never yeah, going to win that yeah, game. Get down that 20. out of my face. Okay? If you're yeah, touting was, like how they were never going to back. Don't, don't bring they that, don't bring that weak stuff here. And, they, and that game was over. And so I just, I hate to be like this, but I mean, this team just isn't enjoyable to watch. There's nothing well, enjoyable. Well, about them. well, well, okay. I, yeah, I'm getting there. Jaylen I'm going to let you have fun. your thing. We already set this, this talking point up before the show. I'm going to let you have your thing. This team, the team holistically is not a fun team to watch. They're still turning the ball over at an offensive rate, an offensive rate to me. It's kind of like a play on words being, I didn't really mean it to be like that tongue in cheek. There's a little too on the nose as a dad joke there, but they turn the ball over just a ridiculous amount. There's still only four teams in the entire country that are making more unforced errors. Um, when their offense isn't turning the ball over, they're still shooting pretty well. The flyers are taking, I mean, when you look at the statistics, not taking great shots, but they have great shooters, but here's the thing, Drew. There is one part of our team that is is fun to watch, and it's Jalen Crutcher, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They, you can make, like, we always talk about, like, who's the best Dayton point guard ever. And you can have a discussion, you know, Brian Roberts, Scucci, many others, like, in the past. But I think what I'm about to say, and you can't really debate this point, Jalen Crutcher is by far the most prolific offensive point guard we've ever had. I think so. I think, I mean... Uh, I mean, Brian Roberts like was probably a better shooter, I guess. But was, but but he, didn't was he as good of a buckets. distributor as Jalen was? No. When no. Jalen was surrounded with like the complimentary talent, Jalen's ability to dish the ball, especially to Obi and to Ryan and Trey, like his ability to get everyone involved in, within a game, it was very fun to watch. And this year, he's had to take the a little more Russell Westbrook in this game, where he's got to jack up shots. And he's got to be the main driving force. But I just, I think he's the most prolific offensive point guard that's ever played the team. Yeah. And um, I said this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but um, I am starting to have trouble hearing any argument to the contrary of Jalen Crutcher being the best point guard at Dayton of all time. Um, he's going to go down as the leading cis getter in school history. He's going to be in the top 15, I believe, in points scored. And I think he's going to be top five and three pointers made. I, you know, and I believe I, he's the only player to have those marks. Correct. He's the only player to do all of that. So as I look through all of the guards, I just do not see a better resume all told. Um, Miguel Knight's certainly up there, but once you go further back through that, it's not even willing. I'm not willing to make a comparison for all of our older fans that listen to the show. Um, God bless Don May and Johnny Davis and all those guys in the seventies, but I got bad news for you. Any person that played college basketball in the seventies would get their They would get absolutely dominated off of floor in 2021. And I'm not sullying the efforts of those guys back in the seventies, but like they didn't have college weight training programs. They didn't have dietitians. They didn't have people watching over their every move to make sure that they were the best possible version of the basketball player they could be. I'm simply saying that the game has evolved to a point where Players are just better now, okay? Like, yep. Bill Russell was great in the NBA because he played against, like, six other teams. If he played today, 
I mean, Kevin Durant in a one-on-one would probably beat Bill Russell like 20 to nothing in a one-on-one game, right? Um, so I, I do want to say that before I say I try my hardest to compare players in their own eras to their uh, to their peers, right? And when I compare uh, you know Jalen Crutcher's numbers to all of his peers, again, you said it yourself, there's only been one guy in program history that's had the three-pointers, the points, and the assists. Um, so... You know, I, I'm willing to put him above the guys in the 70s. Just this is me. It's different eras. It's a different era of the game. It's hard to compare eras. And that's the that's the standing of my argument here is that, and like we said, he's going to be the all-time leading assist guy. He's going to be top 15 in scoring. And the third one, he's top five in what, games played? Yeah, correct. A games played, like played. And I think minutes, too. too. I think minutes, like, yeah. Yeah, that's the standing I'm taking. I'm sure those players were phenomenal back in the 70s in – for what they were. And if you took them and like put the kind of attention that, you know, these players get today, then yeah, maybe they are better, but that's, you know, that can't happen. So what's the point in discussing that? But I do truly believe that Jalen Crutcher will go down as the most prolific Dayton point guard of all time. Yeah. And I'm just, like I said, I'm not really hearing that much good rational argument against it. Um, and, and I'm just having trouble coming up with solutions to, to uh to kind of justify that argument so that's why i brought it up um you know i do feel bad for Jalen. to be honest with you i feel bad for him because he didn't deserve to go out like this and frankly like we said the only enjoyable part of this team right now um is is watching him and watching how he's going to score 25 a night when he's getting double teamed so um i'll wrap it up there this just in talking out loud is going to have a live pregame show i'm not going to be on site at tim's but going to have a live pregame show um from stream yard on espn radio iHeartRadio, radio facebook and all that good jazz starting at six o'clock eastern getting you ready for dayton against george mason so pregame show coming up tomorrow night at six uh drew good time to wrap up the show we're on a tight time constraint what are your final thoughts uh final thoughts just like i said enjoy jalen crutcher for however long you have him left um and you know we're starting to get we're starting to get down the home stretch of the season here we've entered february this is when you know, basketball radars start peaking up a little bit. You know, Super Bowl on Sunday, so it won't be any more football. This is really when my basketball consumption really ratchets up. So uh, why don't we end the show with the final thoughts with a quick college basketball play tonight, shall we? Let's take a look at the slate. Um, we're looking at the board, and you know what? I'm just going to go winging on this one. Over 136, Washington State and Oregon tonight Ooh. at 11 p.m. Oh, okay. You got the over tonight, the late game. I like it. I'm going to be up late watching hoops as well, so that's a, that's a fair play as any. Uh, thanks for joining us. You don't need my final thoughts because, like I said, I'm going to be coming right back to you tomorrow. I'll have special guest Petey Buckets on to preview George Mason with me. We already played him once, but I like to get the temperature of the program from a bunch of different voices. So that'll be on ESPN 1410 here in Dayton uh, and iHeartRadio and all that other stuff I always mention, um, getting you ready for the 7 p.m. tip again on ESPN2 between the Flyers and the George Mason Patriots. Uh, thanks for listening to us all the way to the bitter end. This has been Talking Out Loud with your man Sully here and my colleague Drew, and you can only find it right here on 1410 ESPN Radio and the Talking Out Loud page where you listen to podcasts. Catch you tomorrow, nerds. Fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.